Everybody. How are you this week? Good? Have you enjoyed all this lovely snow we've had? Winter's here. Would you stand with us? Let's get ready to worship together. We're in the house of the Lord. Let's bring some excitement.
like the snow I'm you know getting used to it you got half to there's that's all you can do <laughs> um, so if you want to grab the welcome books they're in the left side of the pews you can pass them along um, as you guys know you probably do this every Sunday if you usually come here I am actually the one that um, gets these papers 
and I put them into our database, say when you were here, when you were here. And um, for some people that um, are here a lot, you don't always have to put your address. You can if you want, that's up to you. But there's also a spot on the side where you can put um, if you want more information and I will deliver that to the right person. So if you want, that's what you can do there. Um, also, we have a blood drive coming up. It's December 4th, and it's on a Sunday, so um, you can sign up and just do it while you're here. It'd be really appreciated if you took the time to be able to do that. Um, I also wanted to mention, we had our Christmas boxes out back um, at the kiosk, and I took those back on Friday, and we ended up with 85 boxes. So that was awesome. Thank you guys for that. Yeah. So that I have pictures of all of us taking them back and delivering them. Those will be in um, the email that goes out on Wednesday. So keep an eye out for that. Some of you are already um, giving online. And if you want, there's boxes in the back that you can do that. Um, a little bit about me is that I have a little hobby farm. And so it's a lot of fun to take care of, but it's a lot of money also and not a lot of return. So giving can be scary in my family anyway. I don't know about you guys. Um, but it's just, it's rewarding throughout the week when um, there's these moments like, wow, thank you, Jesus. Like seeing a sunset that's orange and pink, it's like, wow, thank you, that's beautiful. Or the snow falling, like big snowflakes falling or the sun coming through the clouds or just things that we take for granted. It's like, wow, thank you so much for that. So it's worth it. Um, and now we're just gonna jump into the message. Thanksgiving? Are you ready for Christmas? Yeah, we're ready for Christmas. Forget Thanksgiving. Just jump right to the meaning of that. Hey, I uh, just want to let you know, a couple of people asked this week, and we haven't put it out in print yet. Our Christmas schedule is that we will have three Christmas Eve services this year, kind of like we've done the last several years. One at 3, one at 4.30, and one at 6. And Christmas this year is on Sunday morning. And so we are going to meet, have a service on Sunday morning, but we'll just have one service instead of our regular two. That service will be at, at 10 a.m. And so uh, you can be here for Christmas Eve, for Christmas Day, and that will be a really, really cool thing. Um, here's a question. Uh, we're, we're in this series called Experiencing God. Um, here's the question that I, want, that I want you to kind of ponder this morning. Is it possible to be, to follow Jesus and be a spiritual hermit? Is it possible to follow Jesus and kind of live in isolation spiritually? Um, is, it, is it the right thing to do? When you read scripture and you read about what that looks like, is it the right thing to do to think about, man, if I could just live in a monastery, you know? If I could just get away from all the technology, if I could just get away from all of the people problems that exist in my life, if I could just get away from my wife or kids, if I could, you know, if I could, if I could just get away from all of that stuff, is that the ideal setting for what it looks like to follow Jesus? Um, 
you know, it does, when you read scripture, you think, nah, that's not the picture that's there. The, 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 the call to be a disciple of Jesus is not to, to isolate yourself from everyone. And yet that's, in practical terms, I think what we try and do often. Somewhere in our mind, we think, you know, it would just be better. It would just be better if I lessen my, the level of my relationships with the church. And, and just follow Jesus, just me and Jesus, just me and Jesus, just me and Jesus. If, uh, because people cause problems in our lives, right? That, you know, they cause difficulty, they cause stress, they cause uh, demands on our schedule, all those kinds of things. We think, you know what, if it was just me and God, everything would be, everything would be great. My time alone with God would be rich. Um, my love for humanity as a whole would grow, it would deepen, maybe not the individual people, but for humanity as a whole, that that would grow, and that my struggle with sin would become um, almost non-existent if I was just isolated. But that's not what the scripture describes. That's not what God describes in terms of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. You can't live a life of spiritual isolation. Michael Jordan couldn't win a championship by himself. You can't dance Swan Lake with just one ballerina. One person can't win a football game, even as hard as, as uh, Aaron Rodgers tries, right? You, you, can't, you can't do that. We've been talking about experiencing God. Um, this is week 11, unit 11 we start today. Um, and, and we've been talking about seeing where God is working and joining him in that work and what that means for us. Here is the thrust of this week's unit, and I would encourage you, maybe you've gotten behind, keep, keep at it, keep going after it, and, and just let the seeds that are planted today, if you've gotten behind, kind of grow in the future. But if you're there, this is the truth that I want you to wrestle with this week. If you want to fully experience God, if you want to fully experience God, it can only happen in the body of Christ. We can experience God a lot in our world, in our individual world, but if we want to fully experience what God has for us, what he wants to do in us, it can only happen in the body of Christ. You can't do it alone. You can't make it alone. Um, you, you can't just stick your toes into the water of the church and think that that's gonna be good enough. You can't just come on Sunday morning and be the last one in and the first one out and think that you're going to be able to experience God in the way that he designed and intended. If you want to fully experience a God, it can only happen in the context of the body of Christ. Many of us approach our involvement in the body of Christ um, as we do our involvement with issues of government and politics. We say, you know, there are few people who are called to make decisions about how our city or county or state or federal government is run. They may be good, they may not be good. Um, they're gonna do what they're gonna do, but it doesn't really impact my life all that much. I'll vote, I'll read their newsletters, their, uh, their decisions will impact what I do, but not at a great level. So my vote, my participation, it really doesn't matter all that much. It's easy for us to think the same thing about the church. Maybe not so, so overtly, but with that same mindset. It's great that God calls people into ministry, that God's called Rick in, into ministry, and Jake and Chris and um, our, our whole team. 
some of those people are good, some of those people are not so good. Um, they're going to do what they're going to do, but my voice in the church doesn't really matter all that much. I'll read, get to the point. I'll, I'll read the, the stuff that comes out when I have the chance. The decisions that the staff, the elders make, they're good. They don't really impact my day-to-day -day life all that much. So my, my role in the body doesn't really matter that much. Hear me in this. That's not the picture that we find in Scripture. That's not God's design. Um, let me, uh, what I really want to do today is really just flesh out that whole idea that if we really want to fully experience God, we've got to, we've got, that's going to happen in the body of Christ. Uh, let's start with a foundational concept and, and just kind of work from there today. The first concept that I just want to share today is this. Every Christ follower, every Christ follower has direct access to God. Throughout history, there's been a, uh, um, there's been a separation between the people on staff at a church and the people who make up the church. There's, uh, you know, we, the terms that we talk about are clergy and laity. The clergy are the paid staff, like, uh, like uh, me, Jake, Chris, um, Andy, uh, Jamie. That, that, they're the clergy. The laity, that's all you guys. And there, there's this separation that exists. If you think historically and if you think about mainline denominational churches, that gets fleshed out in the architecture often. Um, in, in church buildings that were built 100 years ago, 200 years ago, the pulpit was way up high and it was this massive thing. And it, it was there to symbolize that God's word comes down through the preacher to the people and tells, and tells them how to live. There, if you think about churches maybe that you grew up in um, or that you've seen pictures of, Oftentimes, there was a rail at the front of the auditorium that separated the church from the clergy. That was a symbolic, um, that was very intentional, and it was symbolic to say there's a difference that, that's there. Here's the truth that I want you to get a hold of. Every Christ follower has direct access to God. Um, Peter, Peter wrote this when he wrote to all of the church all of the churches that existed in the first century. This is 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you, you collectively, but you individually, you are a, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What's, what does it mean to be a royal priesthood? It means that we don't have anyone that goes between us and God, except Jesus. Jesus is, is our mediator. The Holy Spirit speaks for us. But you don't need me. You don't need a pastoral staff person to intercede for you on God's behalf. You don't need me to do the work of the ministry for you. God calls each of us to be a priest in his kingdom, to be actively involved on the front line of the church. What that means, I think, in practical terms is that it's great for us to have lots of opinions about what we should do, how, how should we do things as a church, but our opinions don't matter that much. My opinions don't matter that much. What matters is God's will. Uh, if, you've, if you have dived into experiencing God, if you've worked through the workbook for the last um, nine, 10 weeks, um, Everybody has kind of different takeaways, but this has really been my one thing. 
my big picture takeaway out of this entire series, it's this. We tend to look at our, um, we tend to look at God through our circumstances. When things in our, in our, the circumstances of our life are good, we are able to worship, we're able to say, oh God, you're so good, that's so great. And, we, and we're able to make sense of what God's doing when our circumstances are good. When our circumstances are bad, we tend to blame God. We say, God, where are you? Why are you not acting in this? Why are you not uh, involved in this particular situation? And so when our circumstances around us are bad, we blame God. The big takeaway for me out of experiencing God is this. We need to look at God to, see our, to make sense of our circumstances. Rather than look at our circumstances first, we need to look at what God's word says and what God says to us in order to understand and to respond to the circumstances that are around us, in order to be able to, to discern his will. Um, one, one of the big obstacles, I think, for most people to be actively engaged in the body of Christ, to be an active part of the church, is that we like our autonomy. We, we don't like accountability. We, we want to engage with the church on our own terms. I can, I, I'm willing to do this. I'm not willing to do that. But each of us, if we're part of the body of Christ, if we're a fully devoted follower of Jesus, we are a royal priesthood. We're a part of a royal priesthood. There's accountability for our involvement in the body of Christ. There's, there's not autonomy. We can't engage with the church on our own terms. We've got to go to scripture to determine what that looks like for us in real practical terms. Um, so if we're a part of a royal pre priesthood, who's in charge of North Point Community Church? That's the, that doesn't that seem like a logical question to say, okay, so how do we figure that out? The head of the church, the head of North Point, the head of the church as a whole is Jesus. Jesus is the one who gives direction, who gives leadership to who we are and what we do as a body. Um, Colossians, we, you know, uh, last year or whatever, we did a series from the book of Colossians. If you remember back in the first chapter of, of Colossians, um, there is this tremendous focus on the, the role of Jesus, um, on the preeminence of Jesus, that everything hangs, everything rises and falls on Jesus. Uh, Colossians 1.18 says this, Jesus is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, so that uh, he might come to have first place in everything. I, I'm often asked when, when uh, I engage in conversation with people, people will say, Rick, what's your vision for North Point? What's your vision for, for North Point? Um, that question has always made me really uncomfortable, to just be really honest. Um, the reason that it's made me uncomfortable is that no one person is responsible for the vision of a local body of believers. Um, I think that God can use me in that process, but it's not my vision that determines where North Point goes, what North Point does. So is the church a democracy? Is it the kind of thing that we say, okay, this is what God is calling us to do, and we, you know, we raise hands and vote and say yay or nay? No, the, the church is not a democracy. I'm old enough, some of you are old enough to, to remember that the primary um, tool of church governance that existed probably 40 or 50 years ago 
was a model that was taken out, uh, that to um, replicate what happened in our, in our government uh, of the United States of America. We had separations of powers. There was often the preacher, there was the elders, and there was the deacons. And the deacons made sure the elders didn't get out of line. The elders made sure the preacher didn't get out of line. And the preacher kind of um, made sure that the deacons stayed on track as well. That, that separation of powers thing. That's not the model for the church that we find in Scripture. It's not a democracy. Um, neither is it a one-person uh, dictatorship. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's kind of a model that exists often in probably the place that you see it the most is in Baptist churches where the, where the pastor is the guy, what he says goes for everything. That's not the model that's in Scripture either. either. Pastors, the elders, the body of the church should be constantly saying, what's God's will for North Point? What is it that God wants us as a body of Christ to do? Where is God working and how can we join him in that? Um, the only way to know what the body of Christ is to do is to see where God's working and, and to be able to communicate that, to see where God's working and join him. So, so what is the role of the pastor? What's the role of the staff here at North Point? Scripture is really, really clear, really plain. The role of the staff, of uh, my, my job, the job of all of us as a staff, is to equip all of us for works of ministry. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. He himself, God, God gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. North Point is not my church. It's not the elders' church. It's not the staff's church. It's not even your church. It's God's church, Christ's church. And he invites us to, to join him as the body ministers to each other and as the body ministers to the community in which we exist. We're all in this together. Here's, as, as I move through these pillars, through these principles of today's message, understand that this next one is, is really important as we talk about experiencing God on a whole new level. When we invest in the body of Christ, we experience God at a whole different level. When we jump in, when we dive into the water, when we give ourselves fully to the work of Christ in this place, we experience God at a whole different level. What, what's investment look like? It means that we take resources that we've been given and that we put them into work in something that's other than, our, than ourselves. If God gives you the ability to teach, that you're using that ability to teach within the body of Christ. If God has given you the ability to give in, a, in an incredible way, that you're using that body to give within the body of Christ. If God has given you a gift of compassion, that you're in the body of Christ exhibiting, living out that gift of compassion in real practical ways all, all the time. If God has given you a heart for little kids, that you're using that in the body of Christ. If God has given you the ability to come alongside and help people, that you're finding ways to help people in the body of Christ. He, hear this. God wants his people to love one another. 
But in order for us to do that, that demands investment and interaction in other people around us. We can't sit on the sidelines. It, 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 if we're to live out the call that we have to love one another, we've got to be engaged in other people's lives. God wants, God wants his people to invest in the body, in their time, in their treasure, in their talents, to live that out on a day-to-day -day kind of way. Um, your, your role in the body of Christ is to not sit and wait to be asked to utilize your giftedness. A lot of times, I, I, you know, I have conversations with people and they'll say, oh man, it's so good to be doing X, Y, Z, serving the body in this way. Why didn't you ask me sooner? The, the role of the staff is not to ask, it's to make, help make it easy for people to get engaged. But understand that we individually have a responsibility. We have a calling from God to take the giftedness that he's given us, to take the, the time, treasure, talents, the, the things that God has given us to be able to use that within the body. So see where God's working. See where God's working within the body and join him. Um, take the initiative. Don't wait to be asked. Um, Understand that when we, when, when we have conversations with other people about how we see God working, that that's, that encourages them, that spurs them on, and that challenges them to be involved as well. When we share how God is working in our lives, it allows other people to come alongside of us. God wants his people to love each other. God wants his people to invest in the body. God wants his people to, to live out unity in a way that, that demands um, interaction, that demands investment as well. That as a body of Christ, we should be unified. God is incredibly concerned about there being unity within the body. John 17, Jesus, um, this, is, this is just hours literally before he's betrayed. He says this, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's us. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus prayed that we would experience unity in the church. 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. United, being united is not based on our personal preferences. It's, uh, unity in the church um, is not driven by the style of music that we do or the architecture of the building or the style of preaching that happens, but it's based on the authority of God's word, on scripture. It's based on conviction, Paul says, um, that you be united with the same understanding, with the same conviction that's there. Um, Unity in the church is not really based on specifics of theological agreement, but on the centrality of scripture. When unity in a particular body is based on theological alignment on everything, all that's gonna happen is eventually there are gonna be people that disagree, but then split off and it's gonna cause more division. Unity, unity in the body of Christ is based on a commitment to scripture that's there. The question for us as a church 
The question for you as a follower of Jesus is this. Do we go to Scripture as the foundation for what we believe? Do we go to Scripture when we disagree? Do we go to Scripture for, for uh, teaching about what it looks like to live for Jesus? Uh, I don't know if you've, if you've ever come to Second Sunday. We talk about that um, uh, pretty much most of the time. That if you're new to North Point, the, the, a great first step is to come to Second Sunday. It happens on the second Sunday of each month. If you've ever come to that, one of the things that we talk about are what we call the guardrails of North Point. Part of what makes North Point unique is I think that we would articulate it this way. We would say our guardrails are the authority of Scripture and the unity of believers. That the place that we're always going to go to resolve any kind of conflict, differences, uh, differences of opinion theologically, is always going to be to Scripture. But, but equally with that is a commitment to the unity of believers to say there are a few central things that we won't, that, that we won't disagree on, that, that, that's uh, core to who we are, uh, who Jesus is, that salvation can only come through Jesus, that, that, um, that God's our creator, that he's the one who loves us, who wants to have a relationship with us, that there's going to be a judgment that comes eventually. All of those things are things that, that um, they're, they're core and foundational, but there's lots of issues of secondary theology that we can disagree on as long as we're going to scripture to determine um, what our particular belief system is. Within the staff and within the eldership, um, there are people who have different um, views on lots of things theologically, and we think that that's a good thing because we can study scripture, come to different conclusions, not about the core issues, not about what we call the big hills, the big rocks, um, but, but we can disagree on other things and still be a part of the body of Christ. Guardrails, the authority of Scripture, unity of believers. Um, the, the question for us always is to say, what is it that God is calling us to do? What do we see then in Scripture? How does that get lived out? Um, uh, one, one more principle, actually two more principles that I want to share just about the body of Christ that I think are critical for you to understand in this whole concept of experiencing God in a new way um, in the context of the body of Christ. It's, uh, the, the truth is this. Every member, every member of the body is precious to God. We, we kind of know that. We, we kind of know that about us. Yeah, I'm precious to God. I'm precious to the body of Christ. But every member is precious to God in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 is, is uh, this long chapter that Paul devotes to, to helping people understand how they fit with the body of Christ. That um, it's easy for us to say, oh, because I don't do this, I'm not really a part of the body. Or, oh, because you don't do this particular thing that I do, you're not a part of the body. That's not the case. Every member is valuable. Well, verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 12 says this. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And then verse 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. 
When I think about how that looks at North Point, just real practical pictures, there are so many things that, that come to mind. Uh, about uh, two and a half, three years ago, in the middle of COVID, there was a, a lady, um, an elderly lady who, was, who lived up the road at an uh, assisted living facility that walked down here to church, um, walked down the hill. It was everything that she could do to kind of get here. Her name's um, Barbara. And, um, and she didn't know what to do in terms of how to get home after church. And so people here in the body said, oh, we'll take you home. And that started this process that up until the time that Barbara fell uh, just a few months ago and, and hurt her hip, um, that, that there were people that brought her to be a part of the body of Christ and took her home every Sunday. It was, it was just such a cool little thing that said every member matters. Barbara brought something to the church, um, just in terms of who she was and what God was doing in her life, that was really, really special. When, when, she, um, uh, when she broke her hip, and she went to the hospital and had the surgery, and then went, into, um, and then went to, to a rehab unit, um, she didn't have any family that was close at all. And so all she had, all she had in that rehab unit was the hospital gown. She was wearing that all the time. And, and someone from the church here went to her place, brought her her things so that she could have dignity and so that she could function in that place in a really cool way. That's, a, that's what it looks like to be in just a small way, a part of the body of Christ. Um, uh, we, we have people right now who have been a part of the body of Christ, who desperately need someone to just come alongside them, someone uh, to take them out to lunch because they're homebound. Um, somebody who can go and see someone who's in a memory care facility that, um, that is just kind of there and there. It would just be such a blessing to them to have some people come. Maybe you can do that. If, that, if, if God quickens your heart in that, come talk to me and, I, and I'll connect you with them because that's what it looks like to be a part of the body of Christ. Every member, every person is, is important. One last truth in this whole concept. Grab a hold of this. God doesn't add members to the body accidentally. If God has brought you here to North Point, he's brought you here so that you can use your giftedness, your skills, your abilities, your heart, your compassion, whatever it is, so that you can use that within the body. God wants to do something through us, through North Point, and if God has brought you here, he has brought you here so that you can use your giftedness to help that happen. It doesn't matter if you've been here for 20, 30, 40, 50 years or just a few months. God's brought you here for that purpose. Um, we, can never, we can never just kind of stand on the sidelines and watch. That's not what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Um, maybe, maybe your role is not active in the way that, that a lot of people think. Maybe your role is to be a prayer. Maybe your role is to be a giver. Maybe your role is to be a mentor. Maybe your role is to be a baby holder. Maybe your role is to be an organizer or somebody who can come in and prep material for children's ministry or student ministry. God has put together a body to make a difference in the lives of the body, but he's put together a body to make a difference in the lives of the people in the community who don't know him, who are far from God 
as well. Um, in uh, 1840, uh, 1840, think about that. In 1840, a group of people known as the Baptist Brethren of DeWitt knew that a town that had just started six or eight years before that needed a church. And so they came together and said, we need, we need to, to create a body of believers here. The church in those early years, uh, for the next 15 years or so, 13 years or so, met in homes um, because they didn't have a facility. In, in 18, 1853, that small group of believers moved into a, a building that was 35 feet wide and 50 feet deep in downtown DeWitt. They became uh, the body of Christ, the, the Baptist church of DeWitt at that point in time. That church building didn't have indoor plumbing. It didn't have air conditioning. It was heated with a wood stove. People in town walked to the church and the people who lived out um, in the country rode their buggies in to come be a part of the body of Christ. The church had part-time preachers and even had um, some periods where they had uh, what were called circuit-riding preachers, preachers that would come in and preach in one place, hop on their buggy, and then ride to another church in another town and preach the same message there, that they would cycle among the churches, serving communion, baptizing, conducting weddings and funerals. Um, the church was far from the size that it is today. But it was a group of people who were trying to follow Jesus, trying to be changed by Jesus, trying to live out the mission of Jesus. In 1928, a fire burnt down the, the building of the Methodist here in DeWitt. And the leadership of this particular body of, of believers said to the Methodists, hey, why don't you come join us and we can worship together? They didn't say, hey, you can come meet at another time and use the facility. They said, why don't we just worship together? And they did until a building was built for the Methodists about a year later. At that point in time, the leadership of the church said, you know what, we don't wanna be a church just for the Baptist and DeWitt. We wanna be a church for the community. And they dropped their connection, their affiliation to the Baptist church. Um, it became, at that point, DeWitt Community Church. I, you know, when, when I read about the history of the church, I'm sure that they weren't perfect. I'm sure that there were, you know, there were problems and struggles and that kind of stuff, but I've got to believe that they were faithful to the call to follow scripture because the church has endured all this time. Um, the, uh, they faithfully lived out that idea of the authority of scripture and the unity of believers. Uh, most churches, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but most churches um, have a lifespan that's similar to that of a human being. Uh, you know, when the church is first planted, there's lots of growth that takes place, lots of problems, lots of stuff that happens. Just like with a little guy, you know, oftentimes churches don't last the first two or three years. Um, just like keeping, keeping your kids alive during that time is a real scary thing. But the church will grow. It'll develop systems and structures just like through the teen years that happens in, in our physical bodies. And usually somewhere between 50, 60, 70, 80 years, somewhere in there. Um, a church will just kind of become inward, focus on themselves, and oftentimes die uh, because they've <laughs> lost their vision. It's now been 182 years since North Point was founded. That's incredible. That's incredible. That has come because there has been a body of believers who were committed to experiencing, what, to seeing what God was doing and joining him in that work. 
and experiencing God at a completely different level. Our mission, our mission is different than probably the way that it was uh, spelled out 20 years ago or 50 years ago or 150 years ago, but our mission that that we would describe it right now is to help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. To help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. Even though those are different words than maybe it's been in the past, it's all based on the Great Commission. It's all based on reaching lost people, people who are far from God, and helping grow disciples, helping them take next steps to follow Jesus. Um, Every season of ministry is different. Every season for the church is different. North Point's vision for right now, how do we live out that mission that that, uh, helping all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus, it's that everybody who calls North Point home would see Jesus working in their life and be talking about him. That, that's what we feel like that we're called to do right now. That's why we're doing Experiencing God, to help all of us see how God is working and join him in that work. Uh, so much I want to say uh, that, that I just want to share. Let, let me just share, share this. When we talk about the church being the church and that we all have a stake in that, that we're all, that, that God has called us to see what God is working we determine whether we're in or out based on, on what, we, what and how we invest. Um, this week, there'll be kind of word that goes out. I talked about it a couple weeks ago in a message about, about the opportunity that we have to join God in a work that's happening in Kenya. Um, let, me, let me show you a couple of pictures just real fast. When, um, uh, when Jake and I were in Kenya at the beginning of the summer to just see what God was doing and see if God might be calling us to do it, um, the Missions of Hope International is, um, is planting schools and churches in the poorest parts of Kenya, parts that don't have schools, the slums that are there. The family on the bottom was a family that, that um, I went to their home that live in the slums. And they have, there's a school where their children can go to school because of Missions of Hope International. Go ahead and go to the next slide, Kathy. Um, that we have an opportunity We've been given an opportunity in a rural part in southern Kenya to help build a school and plant a church in an area where there is not one, an area that's so, so poor, Um, a school that will look like this, kids that look like this. This is one of the schools that that Missions of Hope International has planted. If you want to know more about that, um, about Wallace and, and, um, and Mary Kamau, who are the leaders, uh, we did a podcast, um, uh, North Point Plus podcast episode 42 that you can um, go back and, and listen to. Jake and I talked a lot about our trip. If you want, uh, you can find that through YouTube. If you want to go to Missions of Hope International, I think their, their website is actually um, uh, mohiafrica.org and, um, and learn about what God's doing there. We will decide, we will decide as a body of Christ whether God's working there and we want to join him in that based on how much we invest in that process. Our goal for our Christmas offering, I'm I'm telling you early because Giving Tuesdays next week, uh, you know, all the stuff that's going on as you're thinking about end of the year, all that kind of stuff. I would encourage you to think, God, is this what you want us to do to be a part of, to help these people, this place that doesn't have any presence of Jesus? Um, 
it's come up, uh, it, it'll take $50,000. $50,000 is the goal. That's a lot, an incredible amount of money for us. But I, but I trust that if God wants us to be involved in that, that he will show that and that will come through us. What does God want for his church? Um, what does God want for his church? This is really the heart of his message. It is for his people to be holy and pure. It's for his people to display unity. It's for his people to love one another, to be engaged with each other. And it's for his people to share the good news of Jesus here in our area and around the world. When that happens, when those things happen, we experience God at a whole new level. Mid-Michigan is different when we experience God at that whole new level. Michigan and the U.S. is different when we experience that. The world is different when we be the body of Christ that God has called us to. It demands that we each engage and that we recognize that we are the priest of the body of Christ, all of us together. Let me pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for um, creating the church. Um, God, I thank you for the challenge that we have this morning to just rethink about our role in that and what you might have called us to. Um, God, draw us to you. Let us be a people and a place where people can find hope and peace and forgiveness through Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing in just a second. And I just hope that you kind of process today's message. And then we're going to have a chance to do, as the body of Christ, one of the things that God says brings us together. And that's to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to celebrate Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Let's stand together. Let's sing.
Join a time of, of uh, communion. If you haven't picked up your outlets, you may go pick them up. This morning, if you know they're a little bit different, that uh, we have a separate cracker with the, with the outlet there. When Jesus met with his disciples on that last night, he was meeting to eat. And eating is a big thing. This week, most of us will probably meet with family and celebrate Thanksgiving. And we will thank our Lord, just like the pilgrims did long ago. We will thank the Lord for getting us through this year, the harvest at that time, providing for us. This was important for Jesus. And that night, in, John, in, the, in, in the book of John, Jesus was really pouring out his heart and he talked a lot about unity and he said he said I want my believers to be unified just like the father and I are one and that was really on his heart and then we read in Corinthians because Paul's addressing the Corinthian church saying there are divisions among you and this is not pleasing this is not a good thing so that was on Jesus' heart. What else was on Jesus' heart? heart was remembering. And remembering, because we are like sheep. We go astray. We go our own way. We're stubborn. We're bullheaded. And communion was a way of bringing us together to remember. 
getting us to come together to remember who we are in the body of Christ. So this is our Thanksgiving dinner right here. So on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. I want you to take and eat of this and remember I was broken for you. Later in the evening, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is a, represents a new covenant. It's my blood. And with this covenant of blood comes with the forgiveness of our sins. And so we are celebrating and we are thankful that Jesus died for our sin and that burden is lifted. So let's drink with thanksgiving. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you know our hearts. You know how we can stray. Easy to go our own way. Easy to create disunity. And Father, you are calling us to repent. You are calling us to be one as a body of Christ. Father, we desire, we desire to follow you, to experience you. So, Father, with thanksgiving in our heart and joy in our soul, we are just so grateful for your son, what he did on the cross. We love you. In Jesus' name.
soon dissolve like snow. Sun, forbear to shine. But God, who called me here below, will be forever. Thank you.